0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. Uh, Recently, you guys had a baptism Sunday. That man, congratulations for those many of you who got baptized in church. That's pretty cool. Let's celebrate that just for a minute. Uh, I was off in the White Mountains this last last uh, week and, and had a really good time. I've got a couple of pictures I want to show you. Um, there's me uh, working on the snowboard on my butt. <laughs> and uh, everybody's having fun skiing, and look at Maya right there. She could help me up, but she's not going to do it. <laughs> and uh, so we had a lot of fun. That's actually right about the location, if you were here last week, where I filmed that uh, and said good morning to the North Valley, so that's on top of... Uh, Apache Peak in the White mountains, a lot of fun, beautiful area uh, my dad 's in there my wife you can 't tell with all the headgear on, and then my son sam and then i 'll show you another picture of my mom and my my aunt and uh, my dad right there um, that 's my aunt on the on the left, and uh, she is my mom 's sister if you can 't tell. And, um, and my mom, she's still looking really young. And, uh, we went into a restaurant, her and I, and somebody said, man, uh, can I help you and your wife grab a seat? <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to take that as a compliment or an insult. You know, I'm a lot younger than that. And my mom said, we'll take it as a compliment. Um, and there's my dad in the middle. We had an awesome time. Uh, they're from Arkansas. My dad's a Christian psychiatrist wrapping up his his business. He's selling his business and uh, in transition right now, trying to figure out kind of some next steps. And so, Lord willing, they'll come out here and spend more time in the Christmas season with us. And then my aunt right there, her, her husband passed away not too long ago, and I did his memorial service and um, sweet family from the uh, North Texas area and... Uh, it's good to be with family. So, had a great time, really enjoyed the time away, and looking forward to jumping into God's Word today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to preach your Word. I pray, Father, for today that uh, just the truths that we walk through in this uh, letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus That you would kind of start reworking some of the things that are in our life right now. Um, Truth be known, Lord, probably in a year we won't remember the things that you've done. But Father, maybe in this week we will remember how when we trust you in truth and allow your Holy Spirit to navigate us a little bit, it moves us further down the field in life. And so, God, I pray for that today. Give us a, a, a new insight for our Christian life, and hope for everyone who's here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you about a prayer guide for knowing God more. When I first became a Christian, I remember uh, people uh, would pray, and they would pray these really cool, elaborate prayers, and I started realizing that wasn't the way I prayed. And uh, I kind of like to say, you know, just easily, these are the kind of three prayers that I know of, real quick, that I hear all the time. Uh, maybe you can put yourself in one of these categories. First, there's the 911 prayer. The 911 prayer is just, "Help me, God. I really need your help." I mean, as a student, I remember always trying to make a deal with God. God, I didn't study, but I swear, if you help me pass this test, I will start to go to church. Or you know, in marriage, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for this. Please help me change her, change my wife. Uh, you know, the nine one one prayers are the prayers for emergency. You're praying. Uh, you're you're, or even more seriously, you're 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 in, you're on in, uh, driving and, and, and uh, you get into a wreck and you shout out a prayer real quick. Or and you see it all the time. I mean, people pray. That's what separates us from everything else of all creation. People pray. Animals don't pray, and some of you say, "Yes, my cat prays." No, it doesn't. (laughs) The human beings have a divine; they have a soul, and it's a very special privilege.s A privilege that we do. Bugs don't pray, cats don't pray, dogs don't pray. People pray, and people actually pray from all around the world in all different faiths and all different religions. Prayer is a big deal. We do that 911 prayer a lot, but what is prayer? Prayer is a spiritual communication between man and God. It's a two-way relationship in which we should not only talk to God, but we should also listen to God. And so you're going to um, get the chance today is to talk to God. We're going to have a prayer time after my message today. And then I want to give you an opportunity to listen to God. You say, oh, snap, what is that? Yeah, God might not show up in an audible form and just start, like, communicating to you, but there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. He's not a thing. He's actually a person, the second person of the Trinity, and he's the one who helps communicate. So there is this uh, importance that we're going to need to know, and we're going to move beyond the 911 prayers in the Christian life but move towards other kinds of prayers. But there's also another kind of prayer. I call them the Aunt Nelly prayers. And the Aunt Nellie prayers are when we sit around this neighborhood group and I say, hey, how can I be praying for you? Oh, my dear Aunt Nelly, back in Mississippi, pray for her big toe. It got sprained. And pray for her cat who's going through surgery. And then pray for her neighbor. I'm like, I can't keep up with that. I can't keep up with all that. Uh, the Aunt Nellie prayers, we pray these kind of prayers, I think because we think we're just busying people and telling people that, you know, we're, pray- we're prayerful people. So if you've got a dear Aunt Nellie, I'm not trying to knock on Aunt Nellie, I'm just trying to say, there's different types of prayers. And then here's the prayer that the Apostle Paul is going to help us guide to a knowing God more. It's the knowing God prayers. It's when you actually pray to know God more. If God is real, and if he is uh, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, then we are not, he is infinite, we are finite, then there's a lot more to know about God. Amen? There's a lot more to know about God. Um, One of the cool things about my dad is I'm seeing my dad in his uh, late 60s and early 70s grow in the deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is weird to me. We were hunting out in Southern Arizona and he says to me, son, can you turn on some worship music? I said, sure, dad, turn on some worship music. He's driving and then he just goes, oh, oh. I'm like, you having a heart attack? He says, no, the music is just, it means so much to me. What I'm finding out is that the Christian life is really a wonderful thing the older I get because you grow in a knowledge of God more and more. If you've got a, a good relationship, maybe with this, uh, your son or your daughter or a relationship with your husband or your wife, you realize that the you grow in your relationship, it gets better and better. Um, so what I want to do is give you four prayer points to know God more. I need to know God more. been a Christian for 20 plus years. I need to know God more. Uh, My guess is you need to know God more. I don't think anybody has a perfect knowledge. So let's look what the Apostle Paul gives us a bit of a prayer guide in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Let me pause for a moment right there. If you've got your scripture journal, I want to encourage you to underline that little section where it says spirit of wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of him. That's a prayer point. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, this is something that you ought to be praying for because I'm praying it for you, church. He's praying for the Christians, the believers that are in Ephesus. What's he praying for? That they would have a knowledge of him, a greater knowledge, to know God more. The Apostle Paul, all throughout his life and his ministry, um, he has uh, constantly said, Lord, I want to know you at a greater level, to the depths of who you are. So that's the first, and we'll keep going. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And that's the second right there, that he's called you. What's the hope to which he's called you? We're going to look at that. And that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You might circle that as well. And in Paul's view of enlightenment is very different from perhaps a Eastern perspective of enlightenment, which uh, Buddhism would have been around during this time frame, um, but it's not the Eastern perspective of enlightenment. In the Eastern worldview of enlightenment, enlightenment comes through a process of ridding yourself from bad things. But in a Western view of enlightenment, it's actually about attachment. It's not about detachment, it's about Attachment. And in a Christian perspective, enlightenment comes through attaching ourselves to Jesus Christ in a personal relationship with Him. So He says, I pray that your eyes, uh, the the hearts, uh, the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which He's called you. You might circle that. And then, what are the riches? Again, He says, What are, what are, and then, what are the riches? Of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. That's another prayer point. Towards us who believe according to the work of his great might. Verse 20. So what are the Apostle Paul's prayer points? The number one is that you pray to know God more. That's a prayer request that you and I as Christians, if we want to deepen our faith, we have to pray, God, I want to know you more. Today, I want to know you more. Help me as I study God's word to know you more, Lord. It was the prayer of the Apostle Paul constantly. In verse 17, you might look there in your Bibles, but he says in verse 17, May God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Knowledge with God is progressive. It should be. When you get to know somebody uh, like your spouse, I mean, I find out new stuff about Leslie all the time. I'm like, I did not know you like that. And then she says, well, you need to study me more. And I say, well, that's good. I thought I graduated school and I don't have to study, but I guess I'll study you, my wife. And so I do, you know, and what I realize is that that's actually a good thing. If you care about somebody, you ought to study them and really observe. And, um, you know, observe what your kids like, observe what they don't like, and realize that there's different seasons and how many changes. Oh, my that a person goes through, and then you've got to refigure them out. And then I say, I thought you liked that. I, well, no, now my, my, my likes have changed. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's this there's this importance of knowing an individual, no other greater person that we ought to know to the greatest level is that of Christ. And so there's a difference between knowing about God and then knowing God let me say that again there's a difference between knowing about God and then knowing God if you were to take a a poll in the American culture right now to see how many Christians there are most people would say oh I am a Christian and what they mean is I know about Jesus but they don't know him see I can know about something but I don't know that individual I can know about many of the people in our church but I don't know you individually and personally Not like I know my my wife or my kids. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. So what does it mean to know God? Personally, that is, we know God personally through salvation. When you make a decision for Jesus Christ, you, you receive salvation. You are adopted into his family and you must know God personally at some level. Um, you, you, you are adopted, you're brought in, you were purchased for a price, you have a personal connection to Jesus Christ. You have access, you have opportunity uh, through Jesus Christ. But then, as the Christian life moves forward, you can realize you can know God more closely. And that is the theological term called sanctification. When you um, begin to pursue God and read the scriptures and begin to, and to uh, join God uh, in, in serving and doing things that, that are, are, are meaningful and, and helpful to people, you're learning to know God more closely. The process of sanctification is the process of growing holy. And it's not always easy. Sanctification can be very painful, um, sometimes, uh, yeah, I mean, how many times have you choo- chosen I mean, if I want to uh, obey God in my marriage or in my home uh, Sometimes I'm doing the things that I don't want to do at times I'm making sacrifices, I'm deferring I'm, I'm constantly trying to help I'm trying to be others focused And it's much easier to be self-focused Sanctification can oftentimes feel like spanktification <laughs> It feels like you're getting spanked and so and then and then and then in Hebrews the, the the writer says is you know who are you to say that you know god can't discipline you god god is like a heavenly father that oftentimes will discipline us in order to help us to grow in wisdom in maturity um, sanctification is learning to know god more closely and if you made a decision for Jesus Christ and you're walking with him and you say god I want to know you more you're gonna grow in that level of sanctification. And then there's a point in time, you do need to know that you will know God perfectly. You'll know everything about him. You'll actually know, you won't know everything that he knows, but you will know God perfectly. And that is theologically called glorification. You're not there yet. You're in the sanctification stage. Some of you say, I'm in the sanctification stage. Um, The glorification stage is when um, we meet Jesus and he gives us a new body, gives us a new mind, a new soul. It's not in this life, it's in the life to come. So what should we pray? We should pray to know God more. All the time, you can't afford to be the same version of you in five years. You need a new version. If we upgrade computers and TVs, let me tell you something, your mind, your heart, your attitude needs an upgrade. We can't make it through what we're going to go through unless we get that new power, that new help, that new knowledge, and God offers us that. Secondly, the Apostle Paul tells us that we ought to be praying to know God's calling. He says in verse 18, you can look there in your Bible, it says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he is called to. There's three different kinds of calling that every Christian has. Um, you might not know what the callings are, but there's three that every Christian has. First, there's the general calling. The general calling is for every person on the planet that, to, to know the plan of salvation. There's a general calling. God has called men to repent, turn from sin, uh, and trust Jesus Christ as Lord. All mankind. Uh, Has received that general calling Not all accept that general calling But God's will Is that nobody should perish And that all should come to repentance And faith in Jesus Christ That's the general calling for all plants And some of you say But what about my cat? I think your cat will probably be in heaven Go back to the heaven series I actually uh, taught on that For a long time I was convinced Cats do not go to heaven But I think we have to be fair so there's the general calling and then there's the effectual calling. Now this is debated and, and more of your uh, church reformers, guys like Calvin, Martin Luther, uh, the church reformers of the 1500s, 1400s and 1600s, they held to this concept, again, trying to protect, protect the sovereignty of God to say, well, what is God's work in salvation? If there's a general call that goes out to all people, then where does God get the credit if they just do the response and then they trust Jesus Christ as Lord? How is the sovereignty of God upheld? And they would use this term called effectual calling, which is rooted all throughout Scripture, and I affirm it and I believe it too. It is this concept that the Holy Spirit draws and enables you to respond An effectual calling is that when you hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ or when you hear the preaching of God's word or you're reading in the God's word and then you say yes to that. You say, I don't want to do selfish and sinful things. I want to follow a life of holiness. I want to live for Jesus Christ. I want to do what's right and honorable. There's an effectual work that's going on where the Holy Spirit enters into you in a sense of helping you, enabling you, empowering you, ministering to you, helping you come to a decision to say, I'm going to do that. It's like uh, it's the power that makes it possible. It would be like the gasoline in the car. It's the fuel that makes that thing move. If you don't have gas in your car, you're not moving anywhere. But if you've got gas in your car, you can go somewhere. I mean, it could be a sweet truck or it could be a great sports car or a classic, but it's moving nowhere unless it has that gasoline. Some of you are saying, oh, yeah, well, I got an electric hybrid. i just plug it in. Well, I will pass you on the freeway because that thing's too slow, Okay. So there's a general calling, an effectual calling, and then there's a vocational calling. The vocational calling is that where you have to realize Ephesians 2.10, it says this concept that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Every Christian has these callings in their life. Not every Christian realizes them. It's kind of like, how many of you guys ever been to Disneyland. Have many of you ever been to, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Disney World? Raise your hand. Okay, imagine somebody gives you a ticket and says, hey, you go into Disneyland, you're going to love it, and you hold that ticket and you say, man, I love Disneyland, oh man, I'm going to frame this ticket, I'm going to put it above my nightstand, I'm going to look at it every night before I go to bed, and I'm going to say, man, I love Disneyland, that's cool. Then somebody asked you, hey, did you ever go to Disneyland? No, I I framed the ticket. I I, I love it. And I actually saw pictures online and my friends went, but I never went in. That's strange. Then you give a ticket to another guy and the guy says, man, I love Disneyland. He takes the ticket, immediately goes in and rides everything. And has a blast, brings his kids, brings a family, gets lots of pictures, puts it on Facebook, social media, Instagram, boom, boom, boom. And you say to them, did you love Disneyland? They say, I loved it. I loved it. One was experiential. The other one was not experiential. The reality is, is if you, every Christian has the ticket to the abundant life, to the awesome, cool, crazy ride where you, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, it can be like a roller coaster. It is intense. It is fun. It is engaging, but you got to go in through those gates you got to get to the Disneyland of the Christian faith. And the reality is, is you have a vocational calling. Do you know your vocational calling? That's a calling that gives you of a sense of knowing, I was made for more. Maybe it's the, the totality of your vocational calling is that you become the best version of you in the industry that God has placed you in, the place and the status and the position that he's placed you to serve relationships, to serve business and services, and to serve in the church that you're around. And that is incredible. But some of you might have this tugging for something more. I would urge you to pray a prayer like the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He says, my prayer is, is that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What is the hope? Well, there's a future hope. Well, the Apostle Paul's talking about a present hope too. Don't ever underestimate this issue of calling. I wouldn't be here in Phoenix, Arizona if I wasn't for calling. I wouldn't be here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I wouldn't stay here if it wasn't for calling. Do you see what I'm saying? Calling is crucial. There's a general calling. Trust Jesus Christ as Lord. There's the effectual calling. Realize that the Holy Spirit's at work doing all this cool stuff to help you to live for him and love him. And then there's a vocational calling. And this became popular actually in the, in the uh, church reformation times as well, where the, we, we began to realize that the, the, the royal uh, function of priesthood or ministry is not just for the folks that are in, in robes and garments and, and uh, very religious and, and have all that kind of stuff and the priestly roles and, and all that, but it was actually for everybody. You have a vocational calling And what happens is When you discover your vocational calling You begin to realize The Christian life is a lot more fun Than I thought it was I don't just have the ticket I'm in I get to do everything See because the general calling Would be you got the ticket The effectual calling Would be the Holy Spirit saying Go in, have fun I I gave it to you And that vocational calling is, man, God, thank you. I know what you made me for. So how do you find out your vocational calling? Could it be different than your job that you're already having? Yeah, absolutely could. Um, Your vocational calling, a couple questions that you might want to ask yourself is, number one is, what am I good at? What are you good at? Here's an easier question. What do you get paid for? If, you can, if, if people are paying you money to do something, that probably means you're pretty good at it. And if you keep getting fired, that means you're probably not very good at it. But vocational calling is something that's special. It's kind of like before the foundations of the earth were laid, I thought of you, I made you, I created you. I'm calling you out. I'm going to empower you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you a special calling in your life and only you can fulfill that. That's cool. We have a special role to make. As a congregation, we have a calling. We have a calling. Our calling is to permeate and penetrate the North Valley for Jesus Christ. That's our corporate calling. But you have an individual calling. And the church can't become the church it needs to be without you doing that. So what do you need to do? You need to ask God, God, what are my gifts? What What am I good at, Lord? Help me to serve you at a greater level. I want to make a greater impact. I want to experience the life, that that Christian life that Ryan talked about. I want the ticket. Not only did you give me the ticket, but I'm going in. So many people have that ticket, but they never walk through those gates, and they don't realize that there is a greater joy in living the, the Christian life. See, because on the vocational calling, that's where all of your faith and fear converge and you're constantly afraid, but you're being pushed by the Holy Spirit to live out that whole life by faith. And then you say things like that, like this, only God could have done that. And God's saying, yep, that's where I wanted you. Number three, the apostle Paul's prayer guide, he says this, he says, pray to know how much God treasures you. He doesn't use that phrase, but here's what he says in verse 18b. You might look at there in your passage. He says, "And to know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints." This can be a little bit confusing to understand, but let me simplify it for you. Basically, the Apostle Paul is saying is that you need to pray to know how much God treasures you. He treasures you. His riches are in the inheritance of the saints. You are his riches. You are his treasure. This is, reminds me of parables in Matthew 13, 44. There's a parable that talks about a, a, a treasure that's hidden in a field, and the individual finds that treasure in the field and then goes, finds the treasure, and then uh, goes and gets all that he has, sells everything he has just to buy that field to have that treasure. And the parable is, is that's kind of like the kingdom of God. And then there's another parable right after that in Matthew 45, 46, just the next verse over about the pearl of great price, where an individual finds this pearl and then goes and sells everything that they have to get this pearl, and they acquire it and and hold on to it. What is the analogy? What is the metaphor? It's that you are God's treasure, and he's gone to the greatest lengths to, to uh, bring you to him. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God treasures you. He wants to give you everything because he gave everything. You are treasured deeply by God. I want to help you understand just how valuable you are. I'm going to read a series of uh, re uh, truths about who you are in Christ. Um, through Jesus Christ you are God's child. you're completely accepted as you are. you are a disciple, a friend of Jesus Christ. you're a member of God's family. you've been chosen and you've been adopted you're treasured. You, you're redeemed and you've been forgiven you have direct access to God. you're accepted, you're loved, you're treasured. you're free from condemnation. You're free from, uh, you're never going to be separated from the love of God. You've been established, anointed, and sealed. Why? Because you're treasured by God. You're a citizen of heaven. You've been born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You've been chosen and, and appointed to bear fruit. You're a minister of reconciliation. You are God's workmanship and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are treasured by God. The Apostle Paul wants us to pray this reality. When you get discouraged, when you get depressed, pray a prayer like this. Heavenly Father, help me to realize how much you treasure me even when I don't treasure myself. Heavenly Father, help me to see me in the light of your eyes and not other people's eyes. So the reality is, is some of you might have come from uh, an abusive background. Maybe uh, you're uh, in in a marriage or maybe from a family member. Maybe you've you've been abused uh, verbally by people and they put you down. And what can happen over time is you can allow the enemy to uh, create a foothold into your life where that voice gets louder and louder. And then you begin to think of yourself in a very low perspective And the reality is, is it's not true. You're absolutely God's treasure. He chose to make you in a very unique and special way before the foundations of the earth. He knew you and he formed you. And he's called you in a general sense, in an effectual sense, in a vocational sense. And he's given you a purpose. And at times in my Christian life, I have to slow down and remember, God, you've not only called me, but you've prepared me and you let me know that I'm valuable to you. You're on God's team. I remember when my little daughter wanted to get baptized. I said, sweetie, uh, you're really young right now. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to talk you out of being baptized. But she was uh, eight years old at the time. I said, I don't want to talk you out of being baptized, but you're eight. And uh, um, tell me why you think you should get baptized. And she said, dad, I'm on God's team. I said, that's, that's good enough. I get it. She believed in Jesus Christ and she realized that she was on God's team, that she had a place. I think uh, some of the tragic things that can happen in life where, you know, people uh, kind of buy into the enemy's tactics and they don't realize how much they are loved. And if you're not loved by people, you need to know that you are loved by God. And that's incredibly important for you and your self-worth and so that you can be an emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy individual. Rehearse that. Pray that. God, I pray that you would help me to realize how much you treasure me. Fourth prayer, the Apostle Paul prayed. He prayed to know God's power. What is power? Power is this extraordinary ability to live out the Christian life. It's a power that you don't have. It's a power that you might need at work this week. It's a power that you might need at home to face the challenges that you're dealing with at home. It's a power that can be a small thing just to function and to do the things that you need to do. It could be a power that's in a big thing to change and restore relationships, to change the heart of an individual, to change yourself. I want to show you a picture of my dad and I. We went hunting in southern Arizona. And uh, this was just last week. So, I mean, it couldn't have gotten any better. I mean, I was on a big uh, White Mountain ski trip uh, in the freezing cold and snow. And then we left and then we went down to southern Arizona right on the border. And we were quail hunting uh, with my new dog and, and my dad. And um, I got my arm around him. And I'll tell you, 20 something years ago, he and I, I couldn't even talk to him. He didn't like me, and I didn't like him. He loved me, and he's always loved me, but he didn't like me. He told me multiple times, get out of the house and don't ever come back. What happened? The power of God. That's what happened. Changes things. Got off the phone with my brother just the other day, and was talking to him, and praying for him, and... and um I was telling him about some things that were going on and he prayed for me. The power of God changes things. It changes people. It changes the human heart. The prophet Joel said that there was going to be this time when the Holy Spirit would come and that he would pour out his power and he would change the heart of stone and make it to a heart of flesh. That's what happened. So do you need to know God's power maybe in a relationship? Maybe you think it's a dead end. Maybe you think, there's no more hope here. I've done this thing. I, don't, I can't do it. Maybe it's power just to parent. God, help me with my kids. Maybe it's power to grandparent. Lord, help me with those kids. They're still not growing up. <laughs> but you need power, ladies and gentlemen. You need power. You need a power that's from on high that gives you the strength to stand strong, to stand up. To stand out when no one else is, you need power. And that power is available through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I want to close in this prayer and then give you a chance to pray. The Apostle Paul says this later in his letter. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To Christ be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity um, to be here today. Perhaps to uh, just reveal um, some of the truths about uh, needing to know you more. God. And, and maybe as a for every man, uh, every woman, or every child here today, there would be this sense of, yeah, I need to know you more, God. And I pray that they would ask for that help, um, Lord, and to help them to experience when you said that we could have abundant life, that's what we want. And we do want to know you more. And, and we see the, the clarity of Scripture where the Apostle Paul, over the years, even at the end of his life, he talks about there's, that there's so much more. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends here today that they would know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to have a few minutes uh, to pray. And so prayer is a two-way communication thing between God and between mankind. And so um, in prayer, you, you talk to God, but then you also listen. And so what I wanna do over the next few minutes is just give you a few minutes to pray and maybe somewhere in the message, I'm just gonna leave it as it sits. I'm not even gonna try to guide you a whole lot. I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit's gonna work in this and so what you're going to do is just you, whatever stood out to you from the message or something that go back to that or, or the word that was taught, just circle that and then pray for whatever the Lord would do. I remember hearing a story recently of an individual um, who, who said, I, I, I'm here today because I was in a church service and um, we had a time to pray and the Lord put it on my heart to come to you. Tell you one quick story, and then I'll get off the stage and let you pray to encourage you to show you that God does answer prayers and He and He does listen, and that we should listen too. So I'm over at Scottsdale Bible. This is like a long time ago, maybe seven, eight years ago. Um, church wasn't even uh, getting, wasn't even started. And Pastor Jamie's a friend of mine, and uh, he's sitting there and he's talking about prayer. And it was like five services, and I had to stay for all five. So believe me, I heard the prayer message. And I'm sitting there, and, and I on the last service, I was like, Lord, forgive me. I, I really wasn't listening to this message. I, I want to pray. And Jamie said, um, "Okay, you guys take a few minutes and pray, and whatever the Lord puts on your heart, just pray for that." And then the band will come up, and yada yada. So, so I so okay. So I sit there and I pray. I say, Dear Lord, this church is big—five, six thousand people here. Um, there's a special man that's a part of this church named Dr. Wayne Grudem. Uh, he's a systematic theologian. Lord, I know you know that, but I'm just saying, uh, would you send him to me? Because I can't leave the, the sanctuary. And if he's here today, would you just send him to me somehow, some way? So I say, Amen. So then I, I'm walking out the, the doors and into the foyer. And this little guy, uh, Wayne Grudem, he's this little bald guy. And he walks up to me and he says, Are you Ryan Rice? And I said, yeah, never seen this guy before in my life. And he goes, I was in a class uh, down, down the way and somebody said that I should come talk to you. And I felt like, and then he did this, I'll never forget. He goes, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and told me to come talk to you. And I said, I know exactly who you are. And I prayed that you would come here and now you're here. And that's so cool, isn't it? And um, I got so many little God stories like that. Uh, in my life and I'll tell you it helps me to feel like I got the ticket and I got full access so don't miss that opportunity friends we all got a general calling I think we all have an effectual calling we want that vocational calling where like Lord I'm where you want me I realize I was made for more I'm going to live this thing out so take a few minutes to pray and then in just a little bit uh Pastor Joshua will come up and and wrap us up Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.